Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our Uber podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist. My name is Nasser Pasha. Now, Matt Stahl. I hate how Uber is an adjective as well as a company. I don't like the company. I don't like the adjective. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's probably some sort of connection to why they named it what they did, but I don't know if it really, if they're, I don't, I don't know if they did. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Can't wait to read that transcript back when I just say, I don't know, five (laughs) times in a row. In fact, that's the only reason we have a transcript just to uh, laugh at you. She can always cut it out, I guess, and make me look a little bit more intelligent. Nope. Um, Nope. Yeah, this is a double whammy because we're talking about two things you don't like, Uber and the whole independent contractor employee <laughs> issue. If this podcast was live, we would be hitting the front page here because we're quick to the scene. But I guess by the time this comes out, it's going to be pretty delayed. But that's all right. Unfortunately, but that's okay. Yeah. There shouldn't be anything too big that happens legally between right now and when it comes out since they're filing the appeal and waiting. But that's true. Just different takes, I guess. So what's the news? So, yeah, what happened exactly? It's a decision handed down by the California Labor Commission. Long story short, it's one of their Uber drivers. She brought this complaint trying to get wages, unpaid wages, reimbursement for expenses, liquidated jam- damages, waiting time penalties, which we just talked about recently. But yeah. She brought this against Uber and the California Labor Commission determined that she was in fact an employee of Uber and not an independent contractor like every single driver up until this point has been classified. I mean, in fact, they own, they have a big group of, I think, over a thousand employees in San Francisco. But other than that, it's that's pretty much it, right? I, I mean, the, all of the drivers have been classified as as contractors. Yeah, and when we when you say a thousand employees, you're you're not talking about the drivers. You're talking about actual employees, probably in offices somewhere. Right. So when we're reading this, and we've been talking about this, besides the independent contractor versus employee issue, we've been talking that about that since the beginning of the podcast, but even the Uber issue, we've talked about class action lawsuits against them. We've talked about a bunch of cases against them. I, I'm pretty sure this is the first case, and I use the word case kind of lightly here, that, and I'll tell you why in a second, that has, has classified one of their drivers as an employee. And, and the internet is going crazy off of it. And I think it's fair to start out with what's Uber's response and statement, because I think it's very accurate. And they say that the California Labor Commission's ruling is non-binding and applies to a single driver. And let's talk about what that means is, and I think this is important for those in California, but also in other states that have administrative hearings, which is basically this employee went to the California Labor Commission and through their administrative hearing, it's a very, you know, if you talk to any litigation attorney, it's a very loosey-goosey kind of atmosphere. The rules of evidence aren't as strict. You don't actually need an attorney to represent you. I wouldn't even be surprised if an attorney wasn't representing the driver here. Yeah, she was pro per, so. There you go. So, and and that's not surprising. And, and I think employers should be conscious of this, that if you do have a violation, it's not as if there's this huge burden for employees in California and in other states, by the way, to actually file a claim against you. They don't need to pay an attorney thousands of dollars just to get so-called justice. But here's the catch, okay? Once the Labor Commission rules, Uber has an opportunity to an appeal. And because usually it requires you to post a bond and so forth, 
you do get a new trial, but because of that bond issue, it doesn't end up worth it because you have to pay for attorney's fees. And then also if you lose, then you have to pay the other party's attorney's fees. But for Uber, this is a big issue. I mean, this is like the holy war that Uber's trying to fight. So they're going, they're going to appeal. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it and it's worth their cost. Well, go back to the actual decision. Yeah. What does this mean? Well, this means that she's entitled to $4,152.20. That's what she was awarded as a result of this decision. So from a small scale perspective, that's, you know, who really cares? I mean, she's getting that and it's mostly reimbursable business expenses and the rest is just a few hundred dollars of interest. Yeah. As you said, as a whole, and I believe the appeal has already been filed, I want to say, by Uber. Now that they're filing that, they must be confident that they're going to be able to get this decision reversed because if not, they're going to be setting a precedent, at least in California, that these drivers, at least the way they're treating them, they're treating her, and I assume that's how they treat all of them, is our employees. And that's going to be a huge issue <laughs> for for many reasons, what we've explained in the past. Absolutely. And, and if she doesn't have an attorney now, she better get one because it's an actual whole new trial. The old ruling pretty much doesn't matter. And that's significant on Uber's perspective because they get a whole new crack at the, well, I'm trying to look for an idiom, crack at the whip or, or another time at bat or something. What's the... <laughs> You always said the bat thing because you're thinking about our baseball story coming up later in the week. That's true. There's probably some sort of some sort of car one you could have used. <laughs> so so that four thousand or so reimbursable expenses. I I think she lost on. Is this a she? Barbara Ann. So I would I would assume so. So Barbara's a guy's name, right? <laughs> so he. No, she. So she actually. I think she lost on the minimum wage claim. Everyone's talking about this ruling, but no one actually has all the details. I haven't seen any actually published documents or, or rulings on that and as to why they lost in the minimum wage claim. But I suspect that they're actually making more than minimum wage if you add it all together. Whether that's true or not, I think that's case by case. We've seen cases where that's, you know, people are making less than minimum wage effectively. And so that may be the reason why she may have lost on that. So we'll see what happens. But I've said this in the past. I think all these people that think that Uber drivers are employees are incorrect on a legal basis. I was pretty surprised from this labor commission ruling. And I think even Uber mentions in their statement that this same administrative body actually ruled in favor of Uber not too long ago in 2012 on the same issue. And so I'm surprised as they are. And I don't think if this goes to an appeal that Uber is going to lose on this issue. You would think that, but who knows what we've seen. I mean, because I I know you don't like Uber, but the statement they issued, I, I agree with it. I'm looking at some of the facts, at the, and I don't know if this is all the facts they decided upon, but they noted that the company provided her with a phone and had a policy of deactivating the app that's used if drivers were inactive for 180 days. I mean, if that's the sort of facts that led them, the Labor Commission, to decide she's an employee, it's pretty ridiculous. I didn't know they actually provided phones. That's only That's one small factor as to them more likely being an employee than an independent contractor because... If the worker is providing their own equipment, such as their own car, their own phone, they're more likely to be a contractor because there's less control. But if the other way around, and now Uber's, you know, we've talked about in the past, Uber's leasing cars now to their drivers, and now you're saying they're providing phones. So you're right. That's that's another fact that goes into the employee bucket. Yeah. I mean, I, I just want to get to one of the statements from the decision too. At least this is what's quoted. 
Uber holds themselves out as nothing more than a neutral technological platform designed simply to enable drivers and passengers to transact the business of transportation. In reality, however, is that Uber is involved in every aspect of the operation, which, I mean, I guess kind of, but as far as I know, the drivers are free to work when they want, turn the app off and on when they want, pick up a ride. I mean, I don't know how the actual process works. Yeah, I don't even think there's a schedule. I mean, you can literally decide to work whenever you want, and that's the whole nature of the surge pricing to encourage drivers to get on the road and so forth, right? Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's funny how this works out because I'll be actually taking an Uber tomorrow. Again? <laughs> it's, oh, gosh. Well, it's, it's just funny because every time we talk about it, it seems to be the day before <laughs> the day of actually taking an Uber. But the last time it was fresh, <laughs> we recorded and like it was fresh in my mind because it was like an hour or two later. And I asked the driver, like if he had any sort of schedule he had to abide to. He said, no, I just, you know, I work when I want to. And he's like, I don't know how they necessarily do the whole, because obviously there's going to be times when people are going to be working less, but I guess in the cities, there's enough people working at every time where it's not an issue. I mean, it's that's we're now we're getting into supply and demand, but well, that, that's the whole thing of surge pricing, right? So if there's not enough cars on the road and there's a lot of people requesting drivers then they'll increase the fare so that encourage drivers because they'll make more money per hour or per fare. I wonder if it sends a push notification to the drivers in the area when prices are surging to get them to... Yeah, it's true. I don't know. The drivers have to somehow be notified that the prices increased or decreased or whatever. But but anyway, so... Oh, I was just going to tell a quick funny story. When I took an Uber in Boston, it was an UberX and the woman was saying the only reason she was doing it is because she, she wanted to pay off her car as quickly as possible. So she only got a one-year loan and then she was using all the Uber proceeds, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, you're just driving your car. You're putting a ton of miles on your car in the process. <laughs> like, I don't know if this is the best business decision, but I mean, I guess if you can pay off your car in a, in a brand new car in a year, then maybe it's worth it. But it's, <laughs> it's like, you may, might want to think about all the factors that play into this. But I mean, we, we, but we've talked about this. I mean, I, I really feel that these drivers are put into a vulnerable position, which is why I feel that if we can apply the franchise law to Uber, that's the best way to, I mean, all these lawsuits at the end of the day are, you know, everyone's trying to fix some problems that are some gaps in the market because they feel like drivers are being taken advantage of. And I feel like this can be just be solved if, if someone, some attorney out there that's clever enough and I'm not the person to do it, that applies a franchise law to them, that, that basically Uber has to have all the disclosures that are required to, so the drivers can make an educated decision. And a lot of times, like we've encountered drivers that have came to us and basically they've, they've leased a car from Uber and now they were sold this dream that they would make all this money and they realize, okay, it's not that easy. And now they're having trouble making payments to their, to their vehicle. And they're in a lease, and so they can't just break it. And so I, I, I don't know the, all the details, but the, people get in those situations. And there's, there's different anecdotal situations like that. I'm sure there's success stories. I'm sure there's plenty, but there's also the opposite as well. And we should keep in mind, too, that the, there's still that class action lawsuit that's still out there and hasn't been decided yet. I mean, that's going to have a much bigger reach than this, little, this small decision. I, I still think that they're going to lose. I mean, if you look at the, we talked about this, the recent appeals court case with FedEx, and it was a big loss for FedEx because they incorrectly classified their drivers as contractors, and the court said that they were employees. But the reason they said that is like, for example, 
They had FedEx uniforms. They drove company vehicles. They had the, had to groom themselves in a certain way. I mean, that is control. Compare that to taxi drivers, a very classic model where a lot of taxi drivers lease their cars, et cetera, and are independent contractors. And there's been cases that have gone the other way where taxi drivers have been found employees, but it's because they had other factors. But but to be frank, I mean, there's there's quite a lot of law on this issue. And obviously, I was wrong here with the Labor Commission. But but I think for the most part, if you were a betting man, that it's pretty easy to say that they're they're most likely going to be ruled as independent contractors by any court. It's not like Uber, as far as I know, Uber's not hiding the ball on this. I mean, these people, the drivers are entering into this arrangement with the understanding they're independent contractors and not employees. I don't get why they're needing to bring suit afterwards. I guess they're just frustrated with the overall. They thought it was going to be much better, like you said, but still, like, it's... They used to, in the office I work out of, they used to hold meetings all the time for people that are interested in being an Uber driver. I should have sat in on one of them to see like what, but I imagine they don't, they really don't want people to think they're employees. So it's like this crept up on these drivers and they should be surprised. <laughs> yeah. And just to, to follow up on the minimum wage thing, I, I haven't had a chance to review everything, but they basically, the labor commission decided or held that plaintiff has presented no evidence of sufficient substantiality to support her claim for additional wages or minimum wage. Yeah. And that may be a driver's fault in being able to present a case because she wasn't represented. The facts might, I guess, yeah, the facts might've been there for, could have been favorable to her, but she just didn't present enough information for it to work out. It's, that's very possible. And, and I don't know the, the fact of this, but there may be a chance that she may be able to bring that issue up again. I'm not sure because it's, uh, I, I, from what I recall, it's a, it's a case de novo, which basically means it's pretty much restarting whether she's barred to bring other issues like the minimum wage issues or not. I, I think she can. But nonetheless, you know, let's think about this practically. If, if the Superior Court of California and wherever this is at, whatever location, they rule in this driver's favor, Uber's going to appeal again. It's going to go to the appellate court. And then if it rules against Uber again, it goes to the Supreme Court. Even if it rules against Uber in, in the Supreme Court, the impact of that is much more than just Uber. And I think all these articles that everyone's talking about is like, oh, if you know, Uber would be shut down in California if, if their workers are, are considered employees because their model cannot sustain that kind of change. It's, it doesn't work that way. But my point is, is that it would not only affect Uber, but it would affect Lyft. It would affect all the taxi cab, cab drivers. It would affect all the independent contractor models that are very similar to this, which there are a lot. And so that's, I just don't feel like you would really have to stretch the definition of a contractor to fit or to an employee to fit Uber drivers in it, which is, that's why I just feel like even politically, I just don't th- see it ever happening. I've never seen this phrase before, but this art- one article coined it the 1099 economy, which relates to 1099. Yeah. If you're a contractor, you get a 1099 miscellaneous, but. <laughs> the 1099 miscellaneous economy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's not going to affect just Uber. Even Uber has a sizable share of the of this particular market, but it's examples like Postmates, which will deliver pretty much everything. I mean, really, really a lot of different businesses would be affected by this. So I, I, I think you and I were both a little bit surprised of this decision, but I think we'd be extremely surprised if it gets appealed and, and Uber loses again, or loses as in it gets classified as employee. Yeah. 
And by the way, it does look like they have filed already in the county of San Francisco, June 16th, 2015, which was yesterday as recording. That's what I was saying at the beginning of this was you know, they must feel pretty confident they're going to win because appeal and lose, it's you're setting a, a bigger precedent. But yeah, there's a you're right. There is a risk because you're right. It's the superior court that doesn't necessarily have binding law to everyone else. But once it gets appealed, if they lose, which they will appeal, then we're talking about, okay, actually creating law, which would affect other drivers. It's not going to be an immediate effect because it's not a class action lawsuit or anything like that. But it does, it would change the law and would have an impact throughout the state. Yeah. If Uber sued Yelp, who would you root for? Ooh, that's a good question. I think... A mistrial. If, if it was a mistrial. If it was a boxing match, I would say Uber because Uber is a little dirtier in their tactics. If it was like, uh, who do I want to win? I would probably say me. Well, you, you think Uber is dirtier in, a, in its tactics than Yelp is? Yeah, well... Yeah, to its competitors. I'd go the other way. I mean, to its competitors. If you think about it, I mean, look what they did to Lyft and what they did, what they alleged to have done to those journalists in Chicago or something. I can't remember the details. I mean, we've gone over this. I mean, now we're talking about business to consumer issues versus business to business because Uber is only going after businesses and Yelp is all about the consumers. So it sounds like you're just supporting, you have more business support than consumer support. Which is probably right. Yeah, but Yelp's against the businesses too, right? I mean, that's that's our criticism of Yelp too. Well, let's just say they're both horrible, and I agree. I guess mistrial then. <laughs> Fair enough. Decided. <laughs> Undecided. Yeah, so they're both guilty. How about this? Who would you rather work for if you had to work for one of them, Uber or Yelp? Uh, Uber, easily. Easily? Ah, maybe. You're right. I don't even know. Is Yelp, is, is there a corporate office in Silicon Valley as well? I don't know. I thought we, I thought we were going to ask, like, is Yelp hiring though? So <laughs> I get as if it matters. Anyway, I think that, I think we killed this Uber thing for a while. I mean, I, I don't think there's going to be any big new information for a while. This case is we're probably going to have to revisit it unless it's settled a year from now. I don't know what's going to settle. I mean, she won 4,000 bucks. So yeah, you're right. It's not going to, you're not, it's not going to settle because they would have paid it earlier then. Yeah. So they don't want to create precedents like that for sure. Unless she drops the case, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it. Thanks for joining us. Keep it sound. Keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.